hi, I've got this thing up my ass. Can you? Can we please keep this on the town, though? Please, don't tell my wife. Hello, Michelle. Hi. I just caught you on the hop. Well, you've caught me on the tea because what's the tea? I've got the tea. You've got the hot tea in your hand. Yeah, it's fucking cold out there. I'm not joking. In the village right now, minus 17. And I know we always start like... Gee whiz. I know we always start off like it's a... With a weather report. I know, but minus <laughs> 17 is outrageous. It's pretty rough. Stay indoors, yes. Michelle. Keep yourself nice and warm. I was just out of doors, actually, walking my dog. And you'll never guess I just had a, a little encounter with Dan, a.k.a. Hot Posty. No. He was very surprised to see me and excited because guess what? He pulled out his earphone and shoved his earphone into my ear and I could hear my own voice back at me. He's listening to the first episode of Eavesdropping. He's an eavesdropper. Oh, no. Did he Did he go back to episode one? He went back to Crowley. Oh. Yeah, I told him not mm. to. I said, don't. He said, I'm finding it really interesting. I said, well... You, you mustn't listen to that episode. Come back later. And I showed him where we had his his major shout out, which was recently. Um, for those who don't know what we're talking about, uh, maybe I should introduce myself first. I'm Jordan. And I'm Michelle. And you're Eve's. You are eavesdropping. That's what she was going to say. I finished her sentence. That's how close we are. We're like two peas in a pod, Michelle. But going back to my hot posty story, just for those of you who don't know, I have I live in suburbia and I have a postman who's lovely and occasionally he'd knock on the door while we were recording, you see. And Michelle would say, is that Hot Posty? And he, <laughs> he's known as Hot Posty now. And our neighbour, one of my neighbours who listens, told him. And now he's wondering, what are they saying about me? But now he's just here for the laughs and the gruesome stories. He loves it all. He's an eavesdropper. So welcome, Hot Posty. Welcome, Dan, a.k.a. Hot Posty. He would be happy to provide us with tips and little stories about his 24 years of being a postman. And not only that, Michelle, he is a game show aficionado. He's been on two of them. No. And done very, very well. In fact, he won The Weakest Link when Anne Robinson was the host. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. Well, he wasn't the weakest link at all. He was the strongest link. Link, not leak. Not leak. Wow. Do you know what? I'm always impressed when people do well on these game shows. A, that they even got on and B, that they do well. Because Uh my friend Zoe, author of best-selling novel The Note, she was on a game show and I'm trying to remember what it was. It could have been also The Weakest Link. And she won. Wow. She won as well. She was the the strongest link. What do you win? Money. Money? Oh, I think fantastic. I think she won like 10K. Not bad. What? Not bad for an afternoon. Not bad. Yeah. <laughs> I could never do that. I, I have no memory for anything. Mm. You'd be shit, I would quite be. frankly. I would be quite shit. But you'd be there for the fun. Fun I w- of it. I would be, well... For the humiliation, let's face it. It would it would be humiliating. I'm always the worst at pub quizzes. The worst. I have oh. no memory for facts. <laughs> I love pub quizzes. Me too. Myself. Oh, sorry. I have one other thing to say because of last week's episode, just in case anyone listened and wondered if I had been accosting poor Ben Mendelssohn, who was actually running away from me. 
it wasn't Ben Mendelssohn. Just in case we get sued, we forgot to mention it was my brother Aaron. And he wasn't ready for his on-camera moment. And he did have a brown lemonade in his hand. And that was him cracking it at the very end. And he sprayed me with brown lemonade, (laughs) which is a beer. Do you know what? I thought Aaron sounded absolutely spot on Mendel's. I don't think Ben Mendelssohn sounds so aggressive. Do you? Well, I don't know. I thought it was funny how you're like, come back, Ben. (laughs) 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 Making him chase you. No, I chased him. Oh, yes, you were. Not making him chase me. Yes, that's right. Gosh. What was that? I'm all a dither and a dither and God knows today. You're a gog. Yes. But you know what? Speaking of shout outs and whatnot because we should really give Aaron a shout out for being a yes, good he sport it. what a good sport I wanted to give a shout out to a very good friend of mine Darbor he wrote a fantastic song that I actually sent you called uh-huh. Canberra Kids Runnin' Wild and it took me right Ooh. back to my childhood particular favorite line getting his face punched in at the private bin Loved that line. Yeah, that was our favourite line as well. (laughs) I listened to it with friends. I'm sorry, I've just suddenly started eating this last jelly snake. You couldn't help yourself. (laughs) I didn't even know I'd done it. It was subconscious eating. But yeah, I absolutely loved that song. And I just wanted to say, Darv, thanks for the memories. Thanks for the trip down memory lane, being a Canberra kid running wild in a Mm. place where nothing ever happened so much did seem to happen and it was all crazy It times. was quite evocative, that tune. Yeah, yeah, so. Very good. Put a link, Michelle. Put a link so people can listen to it. I, I love the um, sonic youth guitars, actually. I thought that was it was musically interesting. So did I. You two better watch out. We don't like anything around here. Now, Geordie, you know what I'm like. What are you like, Michelle? What do you like? I say, oh, I don't read those rubbish rags, but clearly I do because I... What have you been reading? I found some stuff and it caught my eye because it was quite shocking to me. And also it just reminded me of those roundups you normally get at the end of the year where... Oh, yeah. You know, you get those roundups of people doing strange things. Mm. Are you talking about the Darwin Awards, about the strangest deaths of the year? No, I'm not. Did you read that? Um, no, I didn't. Okay, we'll pin that for a future episode. No, I didn't actually find one of those roundups, but I found this and I thought if they had those roundups, this would have gone in it because actually I don't even know how I found this article. I think somehow things now just pop up as suggestions when I'm on other websites. Yes. Right. Because they know what you like. Yeah, but this is terrifying that they think that this is what I like. <laughs> because this is insane. So a few weeks ago, in fact, just four days before Christmas in France, okay. there was a guy, 88 years old, right? And he managed to evacuate the entire hospital, St. Musset. I don't know if that's really how you say it. But God knows. In Toulon in southern France. Because he admitted himself to A&E with a World War bomb that somehow, mysteriously, was irretrievably lodged up his bum. What? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. And look. I read, listen. I read those (laughs) things all the time in the 14 times. There's always a whole page dedicated to ridiculous things up people's asses. So I'm not (laughs) surprised. Oh, my God. But I am surprised about a World War II bomb because I imagine 
the sort of things that they have to get like a crane to excavate because they're they're massive. (laughs) I mean, he'd not be wearing the bomb. The bomb would be wearing him. Look, I saw it. I saw this thing. There's a picture of... You saw a picture of his arsehole with a bone sticking out of it. <laughs> no. I... That's what I've got in my mind. No, the picture that's actually in the article is just of an anonymous hand in like Ugh. surgical scrubs up a bum. with gloves holding what's been retrieved. <sighs> so, <laughs> and I'm telling you, look, this thing is not a cannon. It's not a cannon, but it's... <laughs> It's not small. And what I actually think it might be is kind of like, you know, when you put bullets into a gun, I think that this is like a cannon bullet because okay, it's copper or maybe brass. Yeah. I mean, it's 20 centimetres long. I mean, really, it's like the size of a massive dildo. 20 centimetres okay. long with a girth, girth of uh, five centimetres I mean, it's bigger than any asshole Gosh. should be stretched to. <laughs> Seriously, that, when that guy has Good to do God. his shit in the future, it's just falling out. Well, he's broken now, let's face it. Yeah, he's going to have needed a lot well, of stitches. It'll never be the same down there. Listen, I've had three children, I can tell you. Not that I had them out of my bottom. <laughs> well, the thing is too, let's, let's remind ourselves, dude's 88 Oh, so it's already loose, right? So Why are you sticking things up your bum? I'm just trying to figure it out. Do I sound really stupid? Why? What do you mean? Why do people stick that kind of those things up their bottoms? For pleasure. Pleasure? But then it, it always gets lost up there and they have to go to the hospital. It's a fine line between pleasure and pain. Don't you think? I don't think that's a fine line at all. I think that's crossing the line, (laughs) crossing the bloody line. I mean, this thing is serious. Yes. And more than it just being fucking massive, it's an unexploded bomb casing, I think, is what I think it is. And so the hospital were like, if this thing explodes while we're trying to remove it from this guy's asshole, it could blow the whole thing to smithereens. The hospital, everyone in it. So they had to call the bomb squad in. Yeah. To see oh. if this thing was, <laughs> was having still to up go there? off. Was yes, it still up there? Can you, <laughs> can you imagine? You're you're there, 88 years old, right? I'm so embarrassed for him. This thing up a baggy old ass, and you've got the <laughs> bomb squad poking and prodding around, checking this thing to see if it's gonna just explode you to pieces. Although oh, man. What an afternoon. What an afternoon. It's nuts. I mean, if his asshole wasn't shredded by that point, it was going to be after all oh. that. Anyway, turns out, yeah. <laughs> turns out the bomb did not pose a threat. Good. So the doctors could then try to start to remove it, but they couldn't. How, oh, they couldn't. God. Too they far couldn't, up. Geordie. It's too fucking up there. Too hard up. Too hard up. Had, oh, too hard up. <laughs> I'm sorry. Horrific. What they actually had to do, I mean, in some ways, I, I shouldn't be laughing, this poor guy. No. He's 88 years old. I feel bad. They had to cut him open. And try to do whatever they could do via his abdomen. Oh, God. Yeah. You know, it's shocking. But I did read at the end of the article, for anyone who's concerned, apparently he's fine and expected to make a full recovery. Fabulous. Physically. Mentally, though. Maybe not. You've got to be thinking, if this guy is married, can you imagine he'd be like, um... Hi, I've got this thing up my ass. Can you can we please keep this on the town though? Please, don't tell my wife. Except he's gone ahead and completely evacuated the entire hospital and made international news. Exactly. Hardly going to be on the down low, is A it? A discreet thing. <laughs> so that was my bum scare. 
Oh, very good, Michelle. Did you write that? (laughs) Right up there with one of my faves. That's wonderful, Michelle. Thank you. I also just wanted to uh, give a little shout-out to someone, an eavesdropper. In fact, an unpaid intern we haven't heard from in quite some time. Neil the Scientist. Oh, hi, Neil. Yes. Oh, hi, Neil. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You've discarded Neil. (laughs) You're like, oh, yes, that guy. No, I didn't mean it like that. I didn't forget about Neil. But like you say, he hasn't contributed for some time and he's always got some interesting facts because he is a a scientist scientist. a real life scientist and often I'm sure he listens to this podcast and debunks everything that we say because it's very (laughs) fact free isn't it Michelle (laughs) fact free it's a little fact light I will admit yes light on facts but delivered with such conviction don't you think especially when it comes to the old bum scare I've given it some welly but look Neil listened basically sent me this wonderful article about near-death experiences because he'd been listening and he'd heard Jen's near-death experience. Oh, yes. We did talk about that uh, recently. Basically, scientists and researchers at the University of Tartu in Estonia, these researchers were looking into various aspects of epilepsy and looking at brain activity and brain function yeah. While they were conducting all this research, they had all those ECG things wired up to their brains. You know, mm. it looks like a little suction cup with wires coming out of it. They'd hooked this guy up who was in the study who had epilepsy. He died. What? He died while he was being monitored. Oh, no. Accidentally? Or did they make it happen? Completely by accident wow. that they recorded this guy's brain activity. As he died. Before, during... And after he died. My God. And this is big fucking news because this is basically the first time ever that scientists have captured the brain activity of a person in those three stages. What they've found, they think, might give sort of neuroscience a bit of a take on what happens during near-death experiences or when people say things like, oh, I saw you know, my life flashed before my eyes. Because it seems like no matter what culture a person is from or when they had their near-death experience, and what I mean by that is somebody who had a a near-death experience two weeks ago, from reports, it's the same sort of thing as somebody 200 years ago. Because people report things like they had a feeling of a a sense of calm wash over them mm-hmm. at the moment they realized, you know, they were going to die. Or you hear about people saying they left their bodies and they could see themselves below, wow. either on an operating table or looking down. And um, you always hear about people say, oh, my, my life flashed before my eyes. Yeah. And then they're pulled back into reality. Obviously, not all the time, because in Jen's case, she was like, get me the fuck out of here. I'm not ready to go. <laughs> Basically, what scientists are saying is that because so many people report really similar experiences, maybe those experiences can be related back to how our brains react in the moments before we die. But obviously, trying to study this or do an experiment, you know, to prove this theory, it's really tough because you know, near-death experiences, it's almost impossible to know when someone's going to die 
or if they're going to have a near-death experience. Yeah. So research into this is almost impossible. But not on this occasion. It happened by accident. Really? And the thing is, when these Estonian researchers had all the electrodes and shit on the guy's Mm -hmm. head, you know, to record his brain activity, because what they were doing was a study that was trying to come up with ways to detect upcoming epilepsy seizures. Yeah. And using that information to, you know, help people. Well, dude had a heart attack and died during the monitoring. Unbelievable. Yeah. So without realizing it, they got 900 seconds of brain activity before and after his heart stopped, which is when they're calling the time of death. And what did they make of it? Well, before that, I was just thinking, fuck, man, I hope they were trying to help him and not just going, oh, amazing. How fucking terrifying. Because these people are researchers. Mm. They're not nurses. I mean, and you certainly wouldn't be expecting somebody to have a heart attack, you know, while they're hooked up. So I really don't know what I would do. These Estonian researchers, they've got really, really valuable information. Yeah. So they partnered up with scientists in the USA, Canada and China. Uh, There's a neurosurgeon at the University of Louisville called Ajmal Zema. And they said that looking specifically at 30 seconds before and after this guy's heart stopped Mm. led these American researchers to think that in a way from the activity that they were monitoring – They think that the brain in those moments does a kind of a best bits VT in a way of shit that was important to you in your life because the brainwave patterns they saw in that minute the heart stopped beating are the same kind of brainwaves found for high cognitive functions like dreaming, memory recall and meditation. Wow. So it was almost identical. For me... If that's true, the upshot here then, and look, obviously this is one person and one person's brain and who Mm. knows, maybe it's not typical, but I think it's a really nice thought that if something like that happens before we die, how nice to think that our brains are just zipping through all the nice things that happen to us in our lives just before we drift off into nothingness. And honestly, I would welcome that because... You know, I don't remember shit. My brain Mm -hmm. and my memory is so bad that if I had a little memory lane moment before I died of all the good shit that happened to me, bring it on. You'd be grateful. What if you're evil, though? Um, Do you think you'd get a memory lane of the evil stuff? I don't know, but maybe they were your best times if you were evil. Maybe they are the bits that you like the most. I don't know. Slicing up those humans. Oh, don't. Ugh. So there you go. I thought that was really interesting. And thank you, Neil, for bringing that article to my attention. Thank you, Neil. Neil the scientist. Neil. He's real. Neil the scientist. Neil. He's a scientist. Neil. Orange peel. He blinded us with science. Well, Michelle, are we ready today to talk today about what we are talking about, which is, of course, supernatural. Mm, supernatural. We're Ghosty talking about ghosties. ghosties, ghosties in a wall. <laughs> I'd like to tell you some ghost stories, Michelle. Are you ready for oh, this? I'd love to hear some ghost stories. 
you know, I was just in Australia. I spent some time in a very historical little village called Central Tilba. And it is partnered up with another place called Tilba Tilba. And together, they are just two small villages in the hinterland, which is behind the New South Wales far south coast, not far from where I was staying. Okay. I have friends there who own the local post office and shop and business. So I've just... uh, identified those people never mind um i <laughs> <laughs> hope they don't mind i am going to tell some stories about them it, basically it's a beautiful little town it's stunning stunning scenery it's quite the hippie little enclave it's got a lovely pub called the dromedary hotel the reason why it's called the dromedary is because it's in the shadow of this once active volcano which the local yun people the indigenous traditional owners of the land call gulaga and what our conquering Captain James Cook called a Mount Dromedary. So Mm -hmm. much like, you know, the big rock, Cook and his gang called that Ayers Rock, but it's actually known by the local indigenous people's traditional name of Uluru. Uluru, exactly. So here we are in Tilba. It's got quite the history. Locals believe that the whole town is haunted, not just one little part of it, the whole flipping town. Really? And I'd believe it because the buildings there, are ve- you, you, you and I have been there. We had a yes. New Year's Eve there a few years ago. The whole town is, is all traditional, like the original wooden buildings. It's old. I don't know how old, but it's, it's old. gorgeous. It's beautiful. Absolutely. So they believe that the town is haunted by numerous apparitions. And the first one and most popular one is a young girl. I believe she's dressed in white. I don't know. But people say they see her going up and down the main street. And actually, my friend said that she'd seen this girl in her house, which was awkward that she told me this right before I had to go to bed. Not in that house. I had to cross the road to go to the old (laughs) shop which is that their property as well. So they had a little room at the back of the shop, which is where my husband and I stayed. They've just moved in, so it's a bit of a mess. They haven't quite finished. And she said that that's also haunted, which is nice. Oh, yeah. wonderful. She said when she first moved in there, she was unpacking things and sorting it out. And then she saw this tall shadow figure no. down the hall. She assumed it was her husband and she started speaking to him, but there was no reply. And she looked around, couldn't find hubby anywhere. So now she's got Harold, she calls him, in that place. So, of course, she told me about this little girl in white that she stood, she pointed behind me and said, I saw her just there. And I was like, right, well, I need to go to bed now. Where's my husband? He's out the back talking. So he wasn't going to come to bed, but I had to keep shouting, can you come in now, please? Can you come in now, please? And at one point, next to my bed, there was a huge... My friend's husband, my friend, he is a builder and he has one of those great big planning boards Okay, where it's got like a set square on it and it it moves up and down so he can do his plans and drawings, yeah. like a technical drawing board. Yeah. It's big and it's heavy and it was next to my bed and I wanted to move it. So I shoved it. It was quite heavy. I moved it a little bit mm. and then I walked over to the door to ask Paddy to please come in now. Yeah. So this uh, arm of this planning board went what and I oh my it just moved across the board and made a sound I had my back to it I turned around and I looked at it and I and I had a cold rush of blood oh, Jesus. through my body and I almost lost it but I just looked at that thing and I thought well that's because I've moved it and I could see from here it's on the wonk it's wonky it's me don't worry oh. Jordy calm down <laughs> calm down but I still went out the back and said please come in now 
ghost. <laughs> so that was that. It was pretty scary. Mm. But they also told me of another ghost, which is in the business that's opposite them. It's now like a night spot, if you like, like a bar, not the pub. It's a bar. And there's been a few different businesses set up in that particular place over the years. Last time I was there, it was a cafe. They say, the locals say, businesses in that property never last. Okay. And the reason being, it's haunted by the ghost of a man who used to live there. And they say that there's a corner in the bar as you walk in to the left, which is his seat. And if you could try and sit there, it's freezing cold. Oh, did you try? No. But <laughs> no. I did do some digging and I found out that this man was a former resident, like I said, of that premises. He used to own that property, lived in it and had a shop there. And it was a teddy bear shop, a specialty teddy bear shop in the 90s oh, geez. with his wife, mm. whose name was Lynette Vandersee. Couldn't find his name, couldn't find any more information out about this. But apparently he was an abusive husband. I should preempt this by saying. Okay, that's Apparently nice. this man was quite an abusive husband, I heard. Mm. And his wife, Lynette Vandersee, who was 48 at the time, said she was driven to kill her husband when he sulked for five days after his prize teddy bear failed to win a contest. So she struck him in the head while he was sleeping with an axe eight times. <laughs> Brutally murdered him. Is this true? Why are you laughing? Is this true or is this bullshit? Yeah, no, it's true. You bitch. So there was an axe murdering woman who killed her teddy bear loving husband with eight... Yes. Cracks in the head. Eight strikes. Yep. In Tilba. Yep. Fuck yeah. She's, she's in prison. Well, she, she did manslaughter. She may be out now. It was in the 90s. But I could find oh no more information God. out about her or about it, the whole incident. But he is said mm. to haunt the premises. And as such, no business ever lasts. So watch this space. I feel like if I wanted to open a business there, I'd get rid of that guy. I I'd, I'd feel like I have some tricks. What would you do? Sage it. Well, sage it, do all like the bells and stuff and yeah. space clearing. But also I just tell him to just fuck right off. And I'd maybe buy a little... Get out of my house. A little stife teddy bear or something and just put it somewhere and say, here you go. This is for you. Now piss Take off. Take this with you. No, just try and appease him. <laughs> do you remember we, we talked about that lady who put teddy bears in the haunted house, in the haunted yeah. pub? And then the kids, the, the dead children, seem to calm down a bit. Maybe he just needs a little bear. Oh, yes. Maybe. Maybe there's a lack of bears in the property. Great. What did you think of that? A little couple of stories or a story for you to illustrate how freaky and ghostly Australia can be. And just to back that up, Michelle, I found out about Australia's most haunted homestead. I saw a mug in a place that I was staying that said, I survived a night in June <laughs> at the Monte Cristo homestead. Yes. I Have you heard of it? Yes, I have. I'm literally just getting childhood vibes of being scared and told about this place in June, but I, I can't tell you anything about it. Well, I know everything about it and not really. I know more than you do by the sound of it. But the thing is, I don't remember it as a child and where it is in a town called June it's in the Riverina region of New South Wales, which is also known as Australia's food bowl and not far from where my grandmother lived. So my parents are from around there. Yeah. So I'm surprised I hadn't heard of it. 
But there's a man called Lawrence Ryan whose parents bought the property in 1963 and they've been monetizing their plight by operating ghost tours for decades. Oh, so Good on them. That's called good old entrepreneurialism or capitalism, whatever you'd like to call it. Extortion. Extor- what's the word? Extortion of ghosts. Or it could just be bullshit. And they just needed a USP to get people out to the middle of fucking Could nowhere be. in the food bowl. Exactly. So you can actually book the house for self-guided daytime tours anytime you like, Michelle, between Friday to Monday. But every Saturday they do offer a package that includes dinner and an immersive two and a half hour ghost tour. And the option for up to 16 people to stay overnight. Oh. That's good, isn't it? For those ghosty people that like to do things like that. So let me tell you a little bit about the whole place. Ryan, Lawrence Ryan, he lives there with his mum, Olive Ryan, and Lawrence's partner, Sylvia, and her two daughters. Now, Sylvia met Lawrence Ryan when she came to visit Monte Cristo because she's a bit of a ghoul. (laughs) She likes all that stuff. So she brought her two children over. They went for a ghost tour from Slovakia. They came all the way from Slovakia to see Monte Cristo. The homestead. Jesus. And uh, yeah, so then they met, they married, and now she's so into it that she gets the whole family dressed up in all Victorian costumes for the tours. <laughs> Can you imagine those kids growing up? They're going to be like, oh, mom. Yeah, but also they'd be like, thanks, mom, for ruining my fucking life. Like, they have no <laughs> yeah. choice. That's terrible. Sorry, kids. So, well, the same thing happened to Lawrence Ryan when you think about it. He's the youngest of all his ch- of the children in the family. Obviously, Olive Ryan, his mum, still lives with him. She remembers that two days after moving into the house, they noticed lights coming from the property as they were driving up the long driveway. And those lights disappeared when they walked through the door. And they had a pet dog and a cat when they were moving in mm-hmm. who absolutely refused to enter the property. Okay, because they do say that animals do have that certain ESP. They can sense when yeah. there's ghosts. They bark. That's what they say. Well, they probably felt this myriad mm. of ghostly presences because there's not just one ghost in there, Michelle. There's loads of them. Oh, Jesus. And felt that these ghosts hated animals as well, <gasps> which was proven to the family oh. when they came home one night and found all their chickens strangled to death in their poultry run, as well as the parrot. They had a parrot that was choked to death in its cage and a litter of kittens all brutally killed. No, this is horrible. Horrific. That it strangled. Strangled, strangled yeah. chickens, mm. strangled yep. parrot. How do you fucking strangle? How do you strangle a chicken? Easy. How do you think you kill chickens? I don't know. You hit them over their head with a shovel. No, you pick them up and you pull their necks and you twist them. How do you know this? That's what you do. How do you know this? Because I've been on a farm, Michelle, <laughs> and I've seen people do it. <laughs> it's how they do it. Get real. <laughs> anyway, let me tell you about the origins of this house, Monte Cristo homestead in Juni, New South Wales. It began when it was built in 1885 by a man called Christopher William Crawley. Not Crowley, but Crawley. He lived with his wife Elizabeth and their seven children and a a whole host of servants as well. He was a wealthy landowner and a farmer and he'd done well out of the tourist boom and was able to retire early to Monte Cristo. So he's done well for himself. They were kind of the richest Downton Abbey-style family in the area. There was a lot of prestige, but there was also darkness behind the glamour. Okay. Deaths in the property were a common occurrence 
And they ranged from a young maid who fell to her death from the second-story balcony, Mm -hmm. said to be at the hands of Mrs. Crawley after she discovered the girl was pregnant by her husband. No. Scandal. Yes. They say there's still a bleach stain where they tried to clean the blood up and footsteps can be seen walking along the, the balcony at the dead of night, occasionally accompanied by the outline of a female figure. Really? Okay. Mm, that's what they say. That's what they say. That's what, do you know what? That's what they're making their bread and butter from. Exactly. These Crawleys, the Crawley family, they were quite cruel. And it was apparent by the amount of miscarriages suffered by teenage maids after being raped by Mr. Crawley and his sons. Ew. Oh, horrible. Here's a horrible story about one of those poor maids. One of these poor maids gave birth to a son named Harold, who, as a young boy, was hit by a coach at the homestead. Um, He survived, but he sustained a very serious head trauma, which rendered him disabled for the entirety of his life so poor harold was kept chained up in the (gasps) coach room and he'd scream all day and the local children would taunt and abuse him and call him a monster but after a while authorities came and removed him took him to an asylum because they found him chained to his mother's bed so he eventually died in the asylum but they say he still haunts the grounds of monte cristo so when visitors hear rattling chains That will be Harold. Oh, my God. Harold. We've had... This is the second Harold in this... Mentioned today. Yes. There's another ghost called Harold. I keep thinking of Harold Bishop, but... um, It's not him. Not him. Oh, poor old Harold. Monte Cristo. I wonder if I've actually been. Jen, you'll remember. Jen, if I went there as a kid, let me know, because... Do right in, Jen. Do right in, Jen. I do feel like I, I, I know a little bit about this, but... Well, do you know mm. about this one? There was a young stable boy by the name of Morris. Now, he haunts the coach house. He'd fallen ill one day and stayed in bed, but the master of the coach house thought he was being lazy, so to teach him a lesson and try and get him up and back to work, he lit the boy's straw mattress on fire. Okay, what a dickhead. Paul Morris wasn't well enough to get out of his bed, so he burnt to death. His screams as he's dying can still be heard by visitors to Junie's Monte Cristo homestead. I mean, did you really have to set fire to the straw mat? I mean, who sleeps on straw? Well, people were cruel in the old days, Michelle. They were cruel. I don't like these stories. So... The Crawley family themselves experienced their own tragedy when their 10-month-old baby girl was accidentally dropped by the nanny down the stairs. She died. Now, this nanny swore that she had been pushed by an unseen force, but no one believed her. But these days, Michelle, the children visiting the homestead get irritable and upset once they're on the stairs. And some guests say they feel a hand on their back pushing them. And some say they feel an ice-cold Tiny hands slip into theirs when they go to the upstairs rooms. Oh, Aww. that's when you need to put the toys out on the stairs. Not going on in this house. So in 1910, Christopher Crawley died in his home from blood poisoning, which was caused... How's this for a Darwinian death? It was caused by a carbuncle <laughs> on his neck. Stop it. Can you imagine that big, disgusting, that, weepy, oozy fucking thing on his neck? Stop a carbuncle. It. Who even says that? Stop that. that. <laughs> You're awful. He had a carbuncle on the side of his neck, which got infected. 
from rubbing against his starched collar. Oh, suck it. And this led to heart failure. Oh, suck it. That's what he deserves it. You don't like him anyway, <laughs> no, do you? I don't. He's a rapist. He's a rapist. Well, that's what they say. We don't that's know what for they sure. Say. His wife. His wife, Elizabeth Crawley, was distraught over her husband's death, so she locked herself inside the attic of the house in a chapel that she'd built, and she only left the house twice after that in 23 years. And then she too died at the house at the age of 92 in 1933 of a ruptured appendix. Oh, well, you know, she became a recluse because her husband was such an asshole. Oh, dear. Though they say that both the Crawleys haunt the house still. Mm. So they left that house empty in 1948 and it stood empty for a decade. There were caretakers who would come and go, but they weren't able to keep vandals away. And it was in a terrible state until the Ryans bought it. But let me tell you about one of these poor caretakers, Michelle. He was murdered at the site. His name was Jack Simpson. He was shot to death in 1960 on the porch in front of the house by a young man who had been watching Alfred Hitchcock's movie Psycho three times <laughs> before committing his crime. And on on the shed door, it's still visible to this day. It says, die, Jack. Ha, ha. <gasps> Oh, my God. What? we got to go. Well, I wonder if this is true. I wonder if they've <laughs> I just gone know. ahead and invented their own histories and put the bleach stain and, you know, maybe kind of have a little air machine that blows cold air down people's necks or something or scratch the words in. It's not out of the realm of possibility because, A, they have to make a living out of this shit, so they need it. And, B, I went to the escape rooms. They've got escape rooms here, and I did it the other day. You can create a whole world of clues and things that, mm. and it's all um, immersive. So, yes, it, it is immersive. And the other thing is, like, you can create a world out of nothing, especially if you've got money on the line. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. A lot of frightened visitors who come to the host- homestead will often throw up, like, they'll run outside and throw up because they, they have this inexplicable nausea. That's a feeling that people get. Or they faint or they become tearful and sad, like overwhelming sadness. These are all things that happen when you're a visitor to the homestead. Or they can hear disembodied whispers and see unexplained mists swirling around the place. And some see orbs. <gasps> wow. We have talked about orbs in, in remote places in Australia. People yeah. see them all the time. There's an Aboriginal word for them. I can't remember what that is now. Willy Willy. Could be. Well, it could be. It's in a previous episode. I'll link to it. I can't remember. So there are some people who don't get scared and they're really hardcore. But if you can't find yourself getting frightened when you visit the Monte Cristo homestead, you can just pop along next door to the accompanying doll museum where Lawrence Ryan's ghoulish wife, Sylvia, has a collection of around 8,000 horrific dolls. <laughs> Oh my god! She's got it. <laughs> she's got everything there, from porcelain figurines to horror dolls, and some of them, Michelle, need to be glued down to stop them from moving around at night. Oh no! The creepy doll museum. Holy shit! Yeah. There's a whole bunch of like uh, anecdotes from visitors who say things like they've they're reported being pinned down, much like your mm. haunted B and B that we covered recently. People unable to move. Figures at the foot of their bed. Lots of footsteps and whatnot. Asthma attacks when they haven't had asthma. Handles rattling, all of that. So if you do fancy it, you're welcome to go and book in at Monte Cristo. But do write in and tell us, is it really haunted? Or is it just one big money-spinning making thing? (laughs) Tell us. Money spinner. We want to know. Do tell.
Um, it, may, it does actually make me want to go there. but I bet you do. It's funny that we're, we're in Australia with some ghost stories because I found a weird ghost, I don't know, ghost gossip? It just happened, Georgie. Ghost gossip or is it our ghost salad? It's a ghost salad. But basically this happened just a couple of weeks ago on January 14th, 2023, because we are in 23, Geordie. Gosh, that is recent. Yeah, it's like days ago. And it's from the middle of bloody nowhere in Neriga, Australia. Whoop whoop. They call that whoop whoop. Out the back of whoop whoop. Out the back of whoop whoop. Yeah. It's actually northwest of Mollymook, but quite a lot inland. Oh, quite a bit inland. Well, that's, mm. that's very close to where I'm from. Is this the salad bowl? I mean, the, <laughs> the food bowl. No, of- <laughs> it's not the food bowl. That's where my parents are from. I... I travelled up and down the southeast coast and Molly Mook. Did you say Molly Mook? Molly Mook. The Mook. Yeah, that's near Ulladulla. I went and had some nice pies there in Milton, Ulladulla area and Molly Mook, Ulladulla area the other day. Well, yeah, it's definitely your neck of the woods. But What's I, it called? No, Nerida? Well, no, Nerida. It is very inland. It's more It's more okay. like bush. It's the outback, but okay. yeah, it's lovely. It's near all those, I find those national scary. parts. Yeah, me too, but it's... I mean, gorgeous. But anyway, basically, it's this bit of footage that was captured on a family's CCTV. And if you're wondering why someone has CCTV inside their house, apparently they said they just set it up. I think it's more a bit like nanny cam, you know, whatever. But anyway, in the article I read, and, and I will link to it in the show notes, it says that Matthew Kane and his wife, Lauren, were in bed one morning and I guess like, you know, we all do. Yeah, you wake up, you grab your phone, you start scrolling through your phone, looking, you know, looking at dumb shit. But anyway, she decided to scroll through their nanny camp footage of sort of their, it's sort of like, I don't know if it's a games room or a front room, kitchen, or it's got some kind of bar in it. But yeah, she was just looking through all the footage when she saw something that scared the fucking shit out of her. They have a dog. So anyway, this little doggy is called Phoenix and actually looks so adorable. But out of nowhere, this ghostly figure seems to stride out of a cabinet with their dog walking next to it. And the dog is super calm and they're just walking and then vanished. This ghostly wow. figure just vanishes. Now, huh. it doesn't sound that remarkable when I say it, but apparently when 35-year-old Matt, he's a construction company manager and normally yeah. a total skeptic when it comes to ghosty shit. He says his wife tells him a look of terror came over his face when he watched uh-huh. this footage and saw what was going on in the room next to theirs, next to their bedroom. Wow. God. Now, look, I've seen this footage and I watched it about 25 times and I paused it and I was zooming in on it and I was going over wow. and over and over it again. I even played it to Andreas who was like, that's just bullshit. 
it's not a ghost. <laughs> and do you know what? Initially, I thought it was bullshit too because yeah. to just describe the footage a little bit, like I said, it looks like it's in some games room or something. I don't know. But there's this glass-fronted cabinet that looks like it probably has loads of knickknacks and shit in it. And all along one side of the room are floor-to-ceiling windows. So my first thought is that it actually just looks like somebody is walking outside the glass, just walking past. Yeah, like a, a reflection. Yeah, either well, either inside and reflecting or outside and you can see the footage like just going through the window and that the dog is just sort of calmly walking alongside a person because the dog is just kind of trotting alongside and you know the dog's not a ghost dog because the dog has like those disco eyes you know when you see like the green kind of reflection of of animal eyes and they're all kind of green and glowy so my first thought when I saw this was this is crap. But then I read on this article where Matt says that the cabinet that I thought would have knickknacks in it is actually a bit of a memorial spot in the house because it holds the ashes and the urns of Ooh. dead pets and dead relatives. Fuck, why? I know, including the ashes of his dead father and dead oh, stepfather. So Matt's like, I hope this is a family member because he's pretty convinced that it's someone he knows because just of how calm the dog was. Now, apparently Matt's dad died in a car crash 20 years ago along with his brother and his stepmother. Oh, no. I mean, fucking tragic. Yeah, he was 14 at the time. Oh, God. And this cabinet holds loads of keepsakes of his dad, like from his dad. And so it's a really special cabinet. And even though Matt has said he's a real skeptic and he doesn't believe in this shit, he did admit in this article that over the years, he's sort of every now and again asked his dad, you know, oh, dad, come visit me. And he says maybe that night he did which he thinks is why the the dog didn't bark and that the dog yeah. was very, very calm. Now, of course, people have been calling this out as a hoax, saying this mysterious figure is just a trick of the light. And Matt kind of says he hopes it is a trick because he doesn't really want this to be a ghost. And other people are saying, oh, it's just his kids getting up or it's just someone walking past. But the figure is too tall, so it's not his kids. And the thing is, when you see this footage, there's this ghostly trail of light, grey light coming off the figure behind it as it's walking. And you don't see that with the dog. The other weird thing is this ghost. It looks like it just comes out of the cabinet. Wow. Which is weird. It is really weird. Now, Matt addresses the idea that I had, which that somehow it was someone just walking past the windows. But like I said, he apparently lives in the middle of fucking nowhere in bushland on a farm. So there are no lights outside and there are no people just walking past. God. Right? Oh my God, Michelle, creepy. And he also says that room has blackout blinds. 
that were pulled. Oh, shit. So it's not like there's light coming outside. So you're right. If that is true, that is really fucking creepy. Now, someone had commented on this story and they were saying, anyone who understands basic photography, because there's like in the front of the footage, there's like a closet on the right-hand side, which has what looks to be like a small light on and they're saying that apparently light in the front can distort the light in the back and that it's so not it's a ghost cam light yeah or i don't know but they're saying it's not a ghost it's just a human and a dog walking in the hallway but honestly who the fuck is that human yeah well who is walking around if it wasn't them well he says it's not them i mean you know possibly it could be matt sleepwalking but the thing is it's coming out of the cabinet so no i just don't know so basically the upshot here is that i started off thinking this was bullshit and now but now it's a solid maybe wow solid solid maybe maybe. so that's (laughs) what i think but i have one last story for you again from one of the cheap rags that i seem to always read i found a story again it's about dogs and there's a TikTok user called Shani Fant G. I don't, I don't even know. That's her username. Shani Fant. Shani Fant. Shani Fant G. Oh, fuck no. Okay. I don't know. Anyway, her real name apparently is Tara Green. And this TikTok is of a dog that's in a cage. And there's uh-huh. two dogs, actually. Uh, one of them is a Belgian Malinois. Oh, Malin, yep. you know this? Malin- Malamute. Malinois. M-A-L-I-N-O-I-S. Malinois. But anyway, it's not a massive dog, but it's big enough. And it's in some, you know, it's in Tara's living room in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. I just made... What? I just connected the dots. The dog in the last story was called Phoenix. This dog is in Phoenix, Arizona. Honestly, what is going on here? What is going on here? Like I said, there's another dog in a cage opposite it. And again, nanny cam footage of this woman's house. And it's not amazing quality, but it's okay. And you see what's going on. And the thing is, these dogs are kind of assholes. Because I just feel like anyone living next door to these dogs would fucking hate these dogs and want to shoot them because all they do is non-stop bark and it's loud it's like oh god no that's too much no thanks it's awful then all of a sudden boom dogs stop barking both of them both of them no barking and it's actually a kind of a relief because it's just awful but it is weird And in fact, to be fair, I actually think it's a glitch in the footage because Mm -hmm. not only do both of the dogs stop barking, their bodies go rigid. Like they're not moving at all. Not even the wag of a tail. Weird. Oh my God. So maybe it's like it's a pause. This is what I think. I think it's like a a, a pause, like a glitch, a stop in a frozen bit of footage. Got it. It, it. They're like that for about five seconds. And it's a long five seconds. And then... Out of nowhere, the black dog looks like it's being pushed backwards into the corner of the cage and it kind of looks as if its collar has been unclasped and just falls off from around around its neck. And Tara reckons a ghost did it. (gasps) 
So well, she would, of course. And I mean, as you can imagine, people have been going wild over this TikTok clip, saying that okay. it's the most convincing piece of footage they've ever seen, proving that ghosts exist. Okay. And other people are like, "It's a dot. Like, what a fucking uh-huh. joke." And some people are saying, you know, the collar was just too tight and it just broke off. It popped open. Yeah. And look, I told you, I've seen the footage and you know that I'm somebody who wants to believe. You so want to believe. I do, but I'm not convinced by this. No. Because. Not a good one. Like I said, first of all, I think it could be a glitch in this footage because Mm -hmm. when they suddenly go rigid, if you look at the tail of the black dog, it's moving when it's barking and it's kind of the tail's on an upwards movement and then it just freezes like the footage has stopped not the dogs and then after about four seconds the black dog's face moves like the glitch is over but then I think it glitches again and the dogs are frozen but then to be fair the bit that is weird is that the dog really does look like it was kind of picked up and thrown to the back of the cage how bizarre and then the collar does pop off so to me I think it's a dud, but I'm going to put it in the show notes so you can take a look at yourself. Okay, good. Yes, I'd like to see that. Yes, people get in touch whether or not you think it's a ghost messing with this dog or dodgy footage that's frozen. And then the dog threw itself into the back of the cage and popped its own collar off. But the, the thing that Tara does say is that when she first moved into this house, Weird ghosty things were happening. But then it stopped for two years, but now these strange things are happening again. And, Uh you know, she's the one claiming it's a ghost. But, yeah, people are really getting into this whole piece of footage, saying that they see, like, a white anomaly near the dog's snout just before it flies back into the cage. Sure. And then other people say, if you really listen to the footage, you can hear a voice saying something before the dog has its collar oh, fall off. Really? Yeah. Really though? Do you? No, because then there are other people saying, listen, there could be somebody under the sofa poking the dog with a stick yeah. and that's why it's reacting like crazy. Mm. And other mm. people say that because the dog is barking, it expands the size of the neck of the dog and that because the dog also had its head turned during the time when the collar popped off that it's just a matter of physics because you know appropriate pressure makes the plastic mechanism pop open to prevent strangulation yeah. I don't know but I think I'm probably calling going to call bullshit on this one so <laughs> there are my two little ghosty ghosty stories for you doggy doggy ghost stories Doggy woggy stories. <laughs> I love those, Michelle. Thank you so much for your scary dog and ghost stories. And thank you too for Monte Cristo haunting. Well, I did and my best. Haunted house. Guess what? Did you know aliens are real? The earth is actually flat and you can have sex with a ghost. Open your eyes, dear. Michelle, let me tell you something. On the plane, I got to see some really good movies. Did you? What did you watch? I did. You mentioned something earlier. No, you didn't, but it popped into my head. I don't know why. It wasn't that good, this one. (laughs) It was the one with Harry Styles in it and Florence Pugh, the one with all the drama. Don't Don't worry, worry, darling. Do you know what? I started watching that and I was so fucking bored. I had to 
just turned it off because I thought this is not as good as the 1970s Stepford Wives. Stepford Wives. Well, it is a bit like that, isn't it? It was all right. I like Harry, but yeah. I just I turned off. But then I I watched a film that I've heard a lot of things about, and I really want to tell you to watch it because it's really really good. And I'm not going to tell you what it's about because I think it's better to go into it without okay. knowing. And the reason why I've avoided watching Jordan Peele films in the past is because I thought they were pure horror, like Get Out and Us. They're two films by Jordan Peele. I am now going to go and find them and watch them. I watched Nope. And really? Loved it. Nope. 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 Okay. Well, so when I have good. a free moment, if I'm not watching the latest series of Happy Valley, I am going to watch Nope because I need a good film. And one last thing that I've started to watch, and I'm not sure if it's any good yet, but I'm a big fan. These are all spooky and scary, and this is why I'm mentioning it at the end of this particular episode because it's been our spooky, ooky, wooky episode. Um, it's a new thing on. Apple TV, and it's it's got uh, Rupert Grint in it, who's the redhead oh, one in Harry yeah. Potter. And it's from the writer M. Night Shyamalan, yes. who did my favourite film, one of my favourite films, Sixth Sense, and it is called Servant. Oh, do you know what? I think I've seen ads for that, and I was like, oh, I don't know. But now I'm going to actually give it a try. Mm. Oh, thank you for the rest. Spooky. Thank you for the telling. So spooky, I had to turn it off at one Ooh, point. Yes. Okay. So anyway, that was my travel. They're my travel tips for traveling and watching things at the same time. It's good. Oh, but then I got all puffy. Do you get puffy when you go on long haul yeah, flights? You... I was, my calves were so tight. I couldn't bend down. I couldn't do a squat. It's not nice. I get the old lady cankles. No. I get those now. It's yeah. yeah, it's not good. It's It's just going to get worse. <laughs> That's what happens when we fly. And it was a long flight for you, to be fair. Yes, it was. It was indeed. And now I'm trying to get back into the swing of it, back in the UK and back to winter, which I don't mind, actually, because the sun's been shining. It's not a weather report, Michelle. Don't go don't there. Don't go there. We're not going there. I'm not there. going to tell you that it's snow and sunshine outside and minus 17. Don't, no, go, don't, there. don't go there. Don't go there. <laughs> but do you know what, Jordy? What I will what I will do is I will say to you. Where you will yes. go. Yes. There's only one thing we need to do, which is to remember wherever you are. Whatever you do, just, just keep, keep eavesdropping. 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 Eavesdropping.